Um, <clears throat> I have COVID right now, so this is all you're going to get. Uh, we talk for a really long time on this episode, so who needs an introduction? It's 16 Candles. If you haven't seen it by now, uh, I guess go watch it. I don't know where you've been. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm so tired. I am 16 candles going on 17 <laughs> candles. I think you know this film. Yeah. I am 18 going on 19. I had an interesting time at this film. <laughs> I slept with this freshman. Yeah, it was illegal. No big deal. It's the 80s. Edelweiss. Edelweiss. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. You're here with half a Kelly song. <clears throat> I'm, and, and a full-time Ryan Graves, right? You should be singing the blues right now. <coughs> Me and the blues. I'm Ryan Graves. Uh, I don't have COVID. And Kelly's song used to. Uh, I probably still do. I don't know. I, I've had it for like, I tested positive on Friday last week. Okay. Um, it's been a few days. It's been, it's a, been few a few days. days. It's working with its, its way out of your system. It fucking sucks, man. I, hate I this. know. I'm sorry. I. This, this first time? Yeah. Yeah. I lasted, gosh. Um, when did this whole shindig start? About two and a half years almost. There's like several memes about people like you. Um, I thought I was special, and then I found out that our neighbors on both sides of us had never had it, and I was just like, Ugh. oh, come on, guys. I was feeling real good over here. I mean, to be fair, you guys did work it out very carefully this the whole right. pandemic. You guys were super careful because pregnancy and baby and infants and all that stuff. You guys did a good job. This is for me? Oh, my wife brought me a a sip of whiskey, and I'm really appreciate that. Oh, but I thought she nice. I thought she brought me this giant glass of whiskey over here, and I was very <laughs> excited. Nice. Well, I'm glad you're on the mend. I love you. Thank you. Oh, that burns going down. It burns the COVID away. <laughs> uh, and you guys can already tell that Robin's <clears throat> cameoed, so we are remote on this one. Yeah. Um. I, Ryan and I. Uh, recorded our last episode together and then the next day i found out elowen had covid because i basically we recorded our um <clears throat> what was our last episode we did with uh jessica stein oh yeah we recorded kissing jessica stein and um we should call her she might if we, we kiss call her. yeah we See should let her know doing. but i came home that night went to bed and then like an hour later uh elowen woke up being all fussy and weird and so rob and i were like oh okay and robin's like don't worry i'll take care of her so she goes in feeds her all of a sudden i hear uh dada and because robin calls me that when she's taking care of the baby uh -huh. and it was one of those it was one of those concerned like uh oh no something something unpleasant is going on in the other room oh and so i go over there robin's wet and <laughs> like it has a very unhappy face as she's like holding the baby. And then all of a sudden Elowen pukes for a second time all over her. And oh, it's God. like buckets. It's like exorcist <laughs> stuff. It's a lot. And so like, I like rush in and take her and put her in the sink where she throws up like five more times. Oh, 
And then we finally get her back to bed like two hours later because it was traumatic for the baby. That was like, you know how a baby is like, if you put like five pint glasses up next to each other, you'd be like, that's about the size of a baby. Yeah. And I was like, most of those came out of my baby right now. So I don't know how. Yeah. Ugh, it was the worst. <laughs> and then uh, the next morning, Robin like feeds her in bed because she's feeling sick and stuff. And we didn't know what it was. We thought maybe she had just like had a bad night. And then she like handed her to me and I like put her on me and she snuggled up on me and was like, hey, dad. And she threw up all over me, <laughs> just 24 seven all over me. And uh, that's how that's how we knew. That's how we knew that there was no way we weren't getting COVID yeah. because we tested our baby and we're like, she <laughs> threw up basically in our mouths. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was fun. Um, anyway, how's your week? <laughs> it's it's good. Did you hey, see Thor yet? No, <laughs> I did not see Thor. Um, did you go to Target again? Still didn't go to Target again either. Um, mm. I did. I did go out for birthday dinner with my in-laws. Oh, so that was nice. I got check this out. Um, this might not make it in the pod, but <clears throat> Lauren and Eugene got me this this history book on the history of motion picture technology. Oh, I feel like look yeah, how I'm, thick that is, huh? That's, that's huh? Six hundred pages. That's a double C thick book. You know, Eugene brought me and Robin some boba tea today after he uh, got off work. It's good people. He's gent. It's good like people. Um, so, what movie are we doing this week? Oh, we're doing the classic. We're doing the the trend setting. We're doing the... Uh, oh, I forgot they had that in it. 16 candles. candles. Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Uh, we meet Molly Ringwald. I just thought that turning 16 would be so major that I'd wake up with an improved mental state that would show on my face. In her... Screen debut? I mean, uh, it's definitely in her baby face debut. She is like when we first meet her, she's looking in the mirror and she's like, ah, oh, fucking 16, but nothing's changed. <laughs> and she has such a little baby face. She's so cute. Yeah. Um, she is uh it's her birthday, we learn, and um what's the first thing we we just see family life in Shermer, Illinois. Uh we meet the dad and the little annoying little brother who I was totally that annoying little brother. I don't know about you. Oh, well, you man. were the big brother. I was I was the big brother and I don't even think my little brother was this annoying. <laughs> but um, I related to that kid a lot. <laughs> but this this kid uh this kid's in a bunch of other stuff. Um he actually looks like the evil version of the uh son in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um but yeah, like we kind of get that she's got a dad who's like, well, I'm a business dad. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's going on with these teenage daughters these yeah, days? Where's my briefcase? Oh. <laughs> I made a joke about it. Uh, and then we've got a mom who's like very pleasant and just wants the whole household to kind of like work and operate. And mm-hmm. then we meet her sister who is kind of, I guess, painted as a little superficial mm-hmm. Um and is getting married the next day. So it's like, you know, this is power hour here, people. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other kids who just don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Her little sister 
is nobody to mm-hmm. this to this family. She disappears after the first scene. Basically. Like if anyone feels ignored, that that girl is ignored. Exactly. She she's like like Molly Ringwald's having a freak out about nobody remembering it's her birthday, and then the girl is just literally like, <laughs> "Hey, Molly, I love you." And Molly's like, "I don't know who you are." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just stopped filming her. Uh, so yeah, she she's like waiting for them to say happy birthday, like the snowman style. Um, but none of them do. <laughs> I'm glad you get that reference. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, happy birthday! And she says, they fucking forgot my birthday. And pow! Opening credits. You know, that's a great opening line. Like, yeah. So far in the movie, I'm like, okay, some of the family's acting is a little mm, fine. But, you know, for, for the most part, I'm like, I'm on board with this movie. Yeah. And I you know? think I really like the title sequence of like, oh, it's these so are good. teenagers. They're mingling. They're co-mingling. You got the geeks. You got these kind of geeks. And and you get it through all of these really cool, like medium close ps where it's like a couple people's hands down each other's pants. And you're yeah. getting you're getting the fashion and the culture of the day while and while Hughes is focusing on it. He's doing it in a way that feels it feels like to the beat. Yeah. You know, it yeah. doesn't feel like he's like being like, This is culture. Let me show you around. Yeah. It feels like, oh no, we're just hang- like this is it feels like we're at high school right now. Right right away we are allowed to compare to all the boys I've loved before to this movie because to all the boys directly comments on this movie. Yeah. And it's like much. okay. That's it's what when, you're going to invoke. So if you're invoking this, I'm going to compare you to it. Yeah, because she shows Peter Kavinsky. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? This movie. And he's like, uh, isn't this movie like bad and racist? And she's like, it doesn't matter. The style is so cool. Mm-hmm. And they both have a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They. I think uh, with their powers combined, they, I mean, we don't even have to have this podcast. Let's just go, go watch that <laughs> Let's movie. Let's just watch what they say. But right away... John Hughes is, <coughs> is on to something. He's he's got some spark to him. He's got some irreverence to him. It's not an after-school special kind of style how he's going to depict these teenagers' lives. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, um I think uh I think we we should talk kind of about like where this film is at in the 80s. Uh this was filmed in 83. It was released in 84. Mm-hmm. Um it it basically comes out at the exact same time as Animal House and right. Porky's. Right. Um, it is time for gross-out, highly irreverent yep. comedies. Usually ones that don't have a bunch of wit to them. Right. And this one has some wit, but compared to a lot of other Hughes's films, like it it really especially like kicking off in the middle of this movie turns its its head in like full steam into that like animal house yeah. porky's revenge of the nerds kind of vibe oh yeah and absolutely like stays there for the most part and then dips back into rom-com territory yeah and it's really interesting to see how comedy evolves because if you looked at movies, comedies in the 70s, the great comedies were really literate comedies. You had like Harold and Maude or Annie mm-hmm. Hall that were funny but also thoughtful and had things to say and like was part of the cultural zeitgeist. And like yeah. Annie Hall won Best Picture in 1977. Like that was like the height of comedy back then. But then in the 80s, it was like. 
like <laughs> it was just all about raunchiness and just kicking down the door of manners and i kind of get it in the sense of 80s it was reagan conservative era and the comedians wanted to be like this is fucking bullshit like everyone's acting all like super moralistic but it's all it's all malarkey like if you get down to it and they they kind of show human nature of being irreverent and right. gross and 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 I, I believe that there's like um like comedy is subjective, but the the vein in which you choose to be irreverent and like down with down with this highfalutin comedy. Yeah. Uh really hits differently and especially if you're gonna do that in a way that is either racy or like um kind of sexual that's going to age pretty poorly no matter what. Um, yeah. And this one ages pretty poorly. You might luck out. And the only defense I'll give to John Hughes is just out what the defense I'll give to any comedian at any time where it's like, you were shooting like big shotgun bar- barrels and you were seeing what's going to stick and what's going to be funny. And maybe you weren't thinking this through back then. And we're thinking that through way, we're looking at it way closer than you ever were because if you compare this to animal house or stripes or porkies or revenge of the nerds no one was doing anything wrong like it's all in the same vein of what those movies were doing and it's just kind of like if everyone's doing it then it seems to be okay because i don't see them i don't see anyone in the in the time of this movie coming out being like whoa this is inappropriate where well yeah no no, i don't think well, I think there were probably some people who were, but just not the people in charge with money. No, just culture in general was like, this is great. There's nothing yeah. wrong with this. Let's let's say specifically, probably male white culture, yeah, <laughs> which was dominating the scene, right? Um, uh, like, uh, okay, let's actually talk about the story, and we'll just bring them up as they go. Yeah, but yeah, you know, to set the tone, this is a, and it should also be stated specifically, John Hughes, who wrote and directed this movie. His job previous to this was working for National Lampoon. Right. And this feels very much like a Lampoon, like an early Lampoon kind of style. Like he was delivering the National Lampoon brand. Like he was staying within that style guide. Right. (laughs) Of really raunchy humor, like no holds barred, like. And and raunchy is one thing, but like also like date rape. like being like, ah, whatever. It's, you know, don't don't even worry about it. It's something that's like. I don't know. It's it's um all I mean I don't I don't know. I, like culturally now obviously it's just it's glaring but no, Animal House even... Animal House made these jokes. Porky's made these jokes. I, they were it, all making these jokes. Yeah, but you're like that's not that's not in my mind that's not an apologist thing. It's like everybody was killing everybody. No, it's that's like... what I I think is going on is that it's like they really didn't understand what bad they were doing. Yeah, and I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about um the actual jokes themselves yeah i'm i i'm definitely of the mind of wow this is that you can't think this is funny <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah, there's just yeah. no there's just no enjoying the like certain jokes at all right and we um i think in this episode we'll try not to get too mired down we'll talk about it and we'll, then we'll kind of bounce back into the uh rom-comness um and then we'll just kind of comment on how things have have changed and like maybe where a good balance of because I think what Hughes does best sometimes is realism. Yeah. And I think when you sit like a good middle ground between having a little moralism in your realism 
then you can still strike comedy gold. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I'd like to get your opinion on like the best way to do teen comedies Mm -hmm. after we talk about the story of this. Yeah. And maybe we'll find that place in the talking. Yeah. So Molly Ringwald, I'm just going to call her Molly Ringwald. Samantha, Sam. She prefer, I I get confused. She doesn't like being called Sam. No, she likes being called Samantha. Um, Her grandparents who are staying at her house and in her room like to call her Sam. Yeah. And she basically wakes up and has a horrible day because her grandparents are now living in her room. um, And this is after she goes to school and like, well, she goes to school and we see her at school. She has a best friend who just listens to Samantha complain about everything. And I get it. It's your 16th birthday and your family forgot it. And I'm not getting the sense of they didn't throw me a party. It's just saying a little acknowledgement would have been nice. I'm like, right. That's I get it. And and she fully admits she's like I did want like a, a special birthday, but I'm fine if I don't get that. I just want somebody to say happy birthday to me. Yeah. And her friend is like at first kind of listening to her, and then she's like, you know what? Just deal with it. It's <laughs> this is fine. a dumb problem that you have. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of get both sides of that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she kind of has Harry Potter syndrome right now, where she kind of feels like she's been thrown under the closet. Or the clo- under the <laughs> totally. stairs, into the closet, under the stairs, under the stairs. Uh-huh. Uh, especially with her grandparents like deporting her like that. So you know, you you say that, but I actually have an access tunnel under my closet that goes to the next apartment. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's filled with like bugs and stuff. Still. Um. So, but while we're at school with her, uh, she sees Jake, Jake, and she's writing this note. And I was asking Robin about this. It's a note that like is filled out with like a bunch of questions and you answer all these questions anonymously and then pass it to somebody else and they read it. And I was like, what is this? And Robin's like, Oh no, you just weren't a girl in girl culture in the eighties or nineties. And so you didn't do this, but apparently this was a thing. It was like, it was like a phantom note. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was fascinated from, this must be how like strange gossip worked of like, this is how people in our school think uh, or like, this is what other girls are thinking right now. Yeah, totally. It's like how to, how to get to understand your school and the people in it without actually making yourself vulnerable to them. And I dig that high school is hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's cool. But she like drops it behind her after writing that if she was going to have sex with somebody, it would be with Jake. Do you know Samantha Baker? And Jake's sitting two seats behind her. It's and I'm like, like, be a little more careful, Sam. Be a little also, bit more careful. I like that this movie, like Sam's got like a really, a really good sense of style and stuff. But I think we also get that she and her friend are smart or Jake is dumb because <laughs> she's a sophomore and he's a senior and they're in the same class. Yeah. It, that's interesting. I, I gathered that it was independent study and it must be oh, really yeah, must independent be. study. Like of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like bring in, bring in these guys, bring in those elementary students. I don't Did care. you have independent study in your school? I had classes. What did we do there? <laughs> what did I do in high school? There were definitely times where we, we had free read and it was like, a few times a week and i remember you could just read you could just read and it was like i love that yeah it was like either read a book or read something in class or work on homework but you have a half an hour to just be reading or be quiet and work on something screw that's so cool i know and i remember like it would happen randomly like there was a bunch of times when we did it in the gym i'm like this is a really uncomfortable uncomfortable place to read (laughs) because you have to sit on the hardwood floor do you think maybe it's like when they were like delousing the classrooms or something (laughs) yeah 
did you, you didn't have any kind of study hall classes? No, I, I, it's funny because I grew up watching movies where there was like study hall or free period or whatever. I didn't have any of that. Um, I had 24 seven going to class. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, I, which is why I'm so smart today. Yeah. Um, but Molly Ringwald drops it and Jake picks it up and he's like, oh, fucking somebody wants to sleep with me. But you can already awesome. tell that he's like, he's looking at her and she's looking at him and she's really embarrassed. But he's like, hmm, who's this chick? Who's this lady? And he has like a bro out with one of his bros in the gym. And he's like, bro, this girl, you ever thought about her? And he's like, no, nah. no. Nah. <laughs> and he's like, I have. And he's like, cool, bro. <laughs> Which... I wasn't a bro, but I was around these bros, and that's what they sounded like. So definitely, um, <laughs> but you can tell he's interested, and like this is the beginnings of a rom com, right? Yeah, here, right. I really like the shot when she looks back at him in yeah. study hall. It's and good. She's like, "Yo, yeah." Her action is like really good there. I, I like it a lot. It was a really good shot, and. Then we get to the locker room where she's basically just eyeing how beautiful Jake's current girlfriend is. Jakey, if you stop loving me. And no, how beautiful her boobies are. Well, yeah, definitely her boobies. I was like, like this is not in the TV version. <laughs> That's the only way I've seen this is when it was on TV. Yeah, and to be honest, yes, she does have great boobies. But the... Um, like at first I was like, oh, is this just like 80s gratuitous sex? And it kind of is. But at the same time, she like earlier in the movie, she's kind of like, like looking at her boobs like she doesn't have enough. And then her grandmother calls her <laughs> like calls her out for having tiny boobs and also her grandpa. It's weird, man. That seems weird. Um, uh, I know it's it's just the total nightmare. It's, yeah, that's. It's, and the, her day's the, not going the well. musical cues it's like it's like a monster <laughs> movie of what Man, she's going through the musical cues in this movie uh do we get the is it the dragnet theme like 30 yeah, times yeah, in this film yeah <laughs> it's a lot i really like um, i mean overall i like john hughes's instincts i i do too i think this movie's annoyed me a little bit more yeah. than some of his other instincts like ferris bueller is balanced yeah, Ferris Bueller, really good. Uh, Breakfast Club, really good. But the, like the, when he chooses to do, um, is it Kelly's Heroes or Hogan's Heroes? Yeah, yeah. When he does that in Breakfast Club, I'm like, I love this. But to me, in this movie, it goes back to the well a little bit much, kind of annoys me with all of his stings. But yeah. that being said, I love his soundtrack. The soundtrack oh, for this yeah. movie is really good. What I appreciated is this guy is trying really hard, and I don't think everything lands, but he's every like every few shots, he's throwing something at us, whether it's a cue or like an interesting shot or a gag or something. Yeah. He's he's piling it on, which the Netflix movies we've been watching were just a little bored. Like there's yeah. just not a lot of creativity there. I, I think that I can tell that this is an early Hughes film when I watch it. Yeah. But that being said, it's better than the first movie I made. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's got studio support here, too. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's making this movie on the streets or anything. Um, but it's it does it, it does feel like he's pushing the teen high school movie into what it is today. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, he's birthing this movie into existence um there's a 2018 uh molly ringwald wrote an article for the new york times where she just kind of goes back and rewatches the films and it kind of talks a little bit about like her experience on them what she thinks of them today and uh really does kind of like a modernist look at those 
films. And uh, where while she does have some obvious problems with them, she also does credit him as being like basically the progenitor of teen girl movies. Right. Like having teen girl characters who are real characters. Yeah. But yeah. that said, my one sentence review of this is this is a portrait of a teen girl as made by a man. Oh, for sure. Uh, I don't I don't think that Molly Ringwald's character of Samantha is a poorly drawn character. Mm. I think I, I really think that her character is really well written and portrayed. I think the world around her is a boy's world yeah, that absolutely. Hughes is playing in. Totally. Yeah. Um, because I firmly stand that there are many men and women who can and uh, whatever gender you ascribe to um, can make wonderful films about characters from another gender. It just, there are a lot of people who can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, people can, but maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> um, so basically Molly is like, this girl's got beautiful tits and mine suck. And Jake will never date me. And her friend's like, Ugh, can you just whatever you not and to be fair her worries are accurate for what 15 year old boys are thinking about most of the time that is how vapid they can be not all boys but that that is how vapid boys can be though yeah totally um you know in high school i didn't want a lot to do with big boobs i was just like you know what i'll take the small you're intimidated you couldn't handle it i was i was more like you know what there is i feel like there is a learning curve and i'd like to start small and I think, I think, I still think small, great, wonderful, you know, boobs come in all shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, in high school, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in like the, the great big boobs. I wasn't interested in any, in any one feature. I was just, I was, I definitely had my, um, passions like Natalie Portman. So is that what, is that what you called <laughs> like three thirty AM when you came home? <laughs> this is passions time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Everybody, Ryan, chill. what are you doing in the bathroom for passions so long? Time. It's passions time, Mama. Time it's to throw me on attack of the clones here. again. Passions time. <laughs> you will not take it from me. Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. So uh, that's what her day is looking like. It's been pretty shitty. Um, I really like that she gets onto the school bus and it's all the geeks and half the band is on the bus. And when they're mm-hmm. going home, they're playing Brahms. They're actually doing their version of a, a Brahms song. It's like, nice. <laughs> it's Hungarian yeah. Rhapsody. <laughs> like these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> and, um, but like the, the geeks are so geeky. They're yeah. like exo dweebos. Yeah. Um, and then Anthony Michael Hall presents himself. We meet Farmer Ted. Fresh breaths, priority in my life. Let me say, Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald are the best actors in this movie, and I can see why they went on to do great things. Yeah. Um, um, he starts hitting on her hardcore, and he's in a tailspin, and he has no experience, and that's why. Yeah. And he sucks at it, and he makes her feel uncomfortable, and... Um, so she's like, get the fuck away from me. And, and it should be stated, like, he's doing what has been modeled for him. That's culture for you. Like, the, if this movie does anything, it represents what he thinks he should do to bag a babe. Yeah. I, I really do think that this movie is skewering culture at times. Mm-hmm. But I also think 
that the movie doesn't <clears throat> represent a a good way to do it either. Right. Well, so Jake just kind of goes up to her at the very end of this movie and says, "Sup, babe, want to go out in my Porsche?" <laughs> yeah. And but like Jake's got his own problems. Yeah. So like I I feel like and just in terms of bagging a babe, I think Farmer Ted should be more Jake and less, I don't know, anyone from Porky's is what he's going for. There's never really a conversation had with um, Farmer Ted about him like learning his lesson right. at all. He like, chills out. He chills out eventually. But and th- when he has sex, he ends up being a little bit more cool yeah (laughs) but anyway we'll get to it so farmer ted's like hey he's being disgusting with her sex sex with me and uh or do you find me attractive she's like no i gotta go bye and so then i think that's when she runs into her grandparents and she finds out she's sleeping on the couch and she's like this sucks and then we meet long duck dong Mm -hmm. i love a visiting with a grandma and a grandpa and uh, writing letters to parents and pushing lawn mowing machine so grandpa's Hyena don't get disturbed. Gere Watanabe. Gere, Gere Watanabe, who is a um, pretty fantastic comedian in this movie. And I say that with reservation because mm-hmm. he is playing a role that is extremely stereotypified and pretty racist. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say about it than that. But there are times in this movie where I'm like, you're really putting 110% into this, sir. So I do think that I applaud you for yeah, your so role here. Here's my, I, I think the racism in this movie is actually, it's worse with the characters around him with saying things like Chinaman and yeah. all this stuff and like the music cues, like. What's happening, hot stuff? Very much so. I yeah. think that's the egregious racism. Whereas I. Really enjoyed the performance of Getty Watanabe. Like he was a comedian in this film and he's the only person who made me laugh consistently throughout the movie. Yeah, I completely agree. His and his delivery of automobile (laughs) when when the grandpa finds him at the end and is like, Where is my automobile? And he says, Automobile. (laughs) Automobile (laughs) is just it's really good. It's like I want that to be a text ringtone or something. But because <laughs> a lot of the um, humor is just drunk humor, he's a drunk yeah. clown, yeah, exactly. And, um, but like for the most part, like, like, and the thing is, it's weird because this I feel like this movie is immature, but thinks I feel like John Hughes, if he was in charge of Post at all, I think he thinks he's being smart and skewering these old people who are like talking about you know, this Chinaman, but like he has the young kid to say it. Yeah. And like, I think he like, was just making a joke at his, at the that character's expense. Yeah. And, but I think he thinks when like, he's having all the old people be a he's little like, bit like, oh, especially around, these boomers are racist. And yeah. Like, that's a generous he, read. I know. I think he's, I think he thinks he's doing that a little bit, Yeah, but I think he is failing especially with like just it's that what i didn't say it yeah exactly kind of defense 
And and then like every single time they either mention him or he pops on screen, there's a big gong and it's like, come on, is this Charlie Chan? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And again, but, it's it's that like throw everything at the wall kind of comedy and didn't slow down to think about it. And no one was there to be like, uh, to second guess it or question it. But you guys all should have been just saying. <laughs> um, and but anyway, so he's there and he's living in the kids' room. So Molly Ringwald has to take the couch. And <sighs> oh, we meet Molly, we, we meet the older sister who's getting married, and she's totally self obsessed. Um, yeah. Or not obsessed, but just she just doesn't care about Molly Ringwald. She's and, a Jane Austen sister, where she's like, we need yeah, she's to kitty. Yeah, we need to worry about me right now. Yeah, because I'm getting and, married, and this is important. <laughs> and. The, uh, like I, I think I think this uh, movie. Uh, the second reason why I think it's a an early, like it feels like an early Hughes, is the editing is very. There's a lot of fat left in the dialogue here, mm-hmm. not not just in the, what's spoken, but like where two characters will walk, turn to face each other, and then start talking. Yeah, and there's a lot of pacing like that, and I I really saw it with the the sister scene here. I think John Hughes probably saw the same thing in his dailies and then in his cut and then definitely fixed it for breakfast club and Ferris Bueller. Cause yeah, because neither of those movies have those problems. He literally shot that later the same year. Yeah. And it's so different. He's like clearly it's a better so filmmaker night and day. with yeah. that movie clearly improved. Did you know that Roger Ebert actually came on set for 16 candles? Really? Yeah, he wrote an entire article about like what it was like watching it and the teen movie and how it's a new thing. Interesting. It's like January 1984. Interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So Molly Ringwald's like, I'm done with this. I hate being at home where these people don't care about me. I'm going to go. Oh, wait, no. She just stays at home. Doesn't. Well, no, she, she has dinner. She goes to the dance. And she's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to this dance that I didn't want to go to, but I'm going to go there because I'd rather be there than at this stupid family get together. Sure. And they send Long Duck Dong with her. And she's like, Ugh. Yeah. which, um, get over it, Molly Ringwald. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I get that you, you just want to escape everybody and you don't want to have somebody foisted on her. But I think if I... If I rewrote, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> We're not rewriting the movie. I, but. I had um, one of my close friends had an exchange student every year. And so I got oh, yeah. to meet a lot of different exchange students. Mm-hmm. And I will say there can be students that culturally can be awkward with you because they don't, they just are not on the same page as you. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not that they've never been to a dance. It's just kind of like, it's hard to relate to each other because you don't speak they don't speak English very well and that's why they're here is that they want to catch up on all that stuff and it's just hard to I remember one student where it's like I couldn't carry a conversation with her at all whereas another one like we talked all the time and I still like talk to him on Facebook now so it's like I I can get the cultural like miscues and all that totally Uh, but you know actually I I did find out something interesting Uh, when I was working at Saucebox this restaurant that I worked at uh, Cirque du Soleil came Mm -hmm. and they had a prom at the um, at the restaurant, cool. like it was after their last performance, and all the performers came and they had prom because they wanted to do something American. Yeah, and uh, so they all dressed up and stuff. And I asked a lot of people there, and they're like, "No, we don't have dances at our schools. What? We don't do that." And so <clears throat> I think it is a very American thing. Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, so they go to the dance, and Molly Ringwald's like, "Oh, there's Jake. What a hottie." She bites her finger. She's like, <laughs> mm. 
And she's like giving him that look where she like bites her lower lip and puts her like thumb and forefinger around her chin. She's like, mm. and he's like kind of doing the same thing back to her. But his his girlfriend, who actually up until this point in time, we've just seen take a lovely shower and um, and be super nice to him. is like, hey, I like you, dude. Um, it's going to be it's really cool that your parents are gone. We can have a nice party. And I, you know, I like you and. She seems at this point in time, she's like, ah, oh, she seems nice. She seems f- <laughs> fine. I get why he's a little bored because she's like, I can't wait to party at your parents because I love yeah. partying. He's like, no, yeah, completely cool. <laughs> but then she's but then he's like looking around a lot and she's like, hey, are you here with me? Are you like scamming on somebody right now? And he's like, no, what the what are you even talking about and it's like well you're gaslighting her and then she like says something crazy back to him I'm like well you're crazy i think you both deserve each other because you're you're both weird well uh, no come on be a little fair i think he's looking for his way out he's looking for his exit no completely he completely is but he is still i i get i get it mm-hmm. i've been in that relationship where i want to be out of but he's still being a kind of a butthead yeah, a little. And he he's definitely not, he's, for, not being a, he's not being a good boyfriend. Yeah, and he's just being a senior in high school. And I think out of everyone in that dance floor, he's probably the okayest of them all. I mean, I guess so. Like compared to Farmer Ted's behavior, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think he's fine. No, I mean compared to Farmer That's Ted. That's the thing, is that of all the of all the men that we meet in this movie, like he is the most sane one here. Yeah, that's that's not unfortunately. False. And, yeah, that's not false. <laughs> um, so Molly Ringwald is like Farmer Ted keeps coming up to her and hitting on her and hitting on her and hitting on her. And she at one point in time walks away and then like walks up to what's his name and tries to talk with him, but then can't. And then we find her later on. She's like escaped the dance. Um, and, and and this is also, by the way, the last time we see her friend. She's just gone after <laughs> yeah, this point in time in the movie. And um, she ends up in the shop on in like, the half worked on car, and it's such a cool place to have a scene. Yeah, Farmer Ted, he shows up, and I like this scene a lot because it starts off just like it did before, where Farmer Ted like gets in the car and she lets him in for some reason, and um, she's having a horrible day, and he tries like hitting on her, and then she's like then asks her like how she's doing, and then thinks that because she's like opening up that it's his cue to kiss her. And then he tries again and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Dude? Yeah. And then I like where the scene goes after that, because they really evolve his character just a little bit mm-hmm. where like she comes out and tells him that she's in love with Jake. And he's like, Jake's my boy because at one point in time he just talked to Jake and he's like, yeah, like you should go after Jake. And it makes, he makes her feel a little bit better. And so that's when he asks for the panties yeah and she gives it to him because i don't think she thought that through yeah she's like you were nice to me for a second sure you can have my panties the the way the only reason i can understand her logic is you have confirmed for me that the guy i'm in love with was asking about me which feels like a one in a million shot so as as like like payback here you go 10 minutes yeah i could i could totally I could totally get on board with her decision to do this as a teenager. I like, I could totally as someone understand who just it as a turned character. 16. I could totally understand it. If, if she trusted him more, <laughs> like otherwise I'm like, girl, what are you doing? I don't think she understood that he was going to show it to a bathroom full of 
boys. I think she well, was expecting him to have one friend because she thought he was a geek. Right. And it would be yeah. like, show the one friend and then get it back. But he shows all the friends. Well, all the geeks. And, I, and I, he also shows he shows John Cusack, who he was there. John and Joan Cusack are both in Joan's, this movie. Joan's got a great little bit with the water fountain. Yeah. Like, she also disappears, but it's like, I'm so glad she was here for a second. But I never was in a bathroom like this with other guys doing stuff like this, but absolutely cap the movie absolutely captures being a geeky boy in high school. Like totally just the way they talk to each other and the gear that they have with each other and like the radios and the microphones and all that stuff. It's like, Oh, I forgot what it was like to be so uncultured. It's like so insular of like all the same interests, all the same like skill sets, all, all of that. Totally. Yeah. And this movie does get that really well. Um, and so while Anthony Michael Hall, whose name is Farmer Ted, I keep forgetting, <laughs> um, is showing off the panties in the bathroom. She like approaches uh, Jake and he turns around. And he's like, hey, sup. And she's like, ah, and she runs away. <laughs> I've definitely had those moments in high school. Yeah. It's embarrassing because you can't come back from that. No, no, no. You literally walked away. You can't come back yeah. unless you all of a sudden grew a pair of balls. Yeah, but painfully can that, relate to this. Yeah, totally. And then she um, <clears throat> she bounces out and she goes home, right? Uh, yeah, she pieces and he pieces. He's like, that was weird. And so he goes to his house and they party. Um, where does wait, where does she end up the rest of the night? Does she? On the couch. Oh, right. Yeah, so the, there's a long night for all the other characters. She yeah. Like the movie kind of like sleeps on like Molly Ringwald as a character. Like not anymore. Like we're going to focus on these people now. Right. And so like basically everybody and their mother, all the characters we know, like <laughs> Long, Long Duck, Duck Dong and his is, new girlfriend. I like her a lot. N- new, new American girlfriend. <laughs> Nobody's caught me yet. Who is super horny and loves working out? Yeah, um, which I just like love the, that combo. Yeah, yeah, it's great. They like end up at this party and work out together, <laughs> um, and then the three geeks, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, John Cusack, and their friend. He, I'm sorry. Friend. Farmer Ted's got some serious balls where he thinks that he can crash this senior party. Yeah, and they they probably would have gotten away with it for a little bit longer, but immediately when they get in there, they knock down a bunch of beer yeah. and they have to do, like they're all done for but, at that point. But they stumble onto the party from Animal House. Yeah, basically, and there's a bunch of Animal House like antics. This is where Antic City begins yeah. because, like, you know, what's her name? Like, is Cassandra, uh, Jake's girlfriend, is super drunk, and he's like, "I'm not having any of this." And he like goes and tries to call Molly Ringwald on the phone, and then he calls her grandparents, and the grandparents think somebody's like pervert calling them, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Man, this sucks. All I want to do is talk to her." <laughs> <coughs> then um, Cassandra like comes up and finds him, and she's like, "Jake, where are you?" And he's like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> And he's like such a like not senior in high school. <laughs> yeah. He's such a seventh grader. He's like, just get out of my room. Go away. And he closes her door or her hair in the door. And they are all so wasted that everybody's they- <laughs> so wasted that they don't think to open the door. They don't think to knock again. They think, let's cut her hair off. <laughs> and she's like, this, this is a woman. great idea. Anyway, Antic City. Yeah, it's just all Animal House stuff where they're getting drunk yeah. and, you know, it's 
I was surprised at how R-rated a lot of the movie felt. Mm. Like, Continue. maybe it's PG-13. I can't believe this movie is rated PG. I know, right? I just can't believe it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but they're getting super wasted and oh and then the thing that kills the party is um long duck dong's girlfriend drops a bunch of weights through the entire house this place is trashed if <laughs> i had trashed. done like if i had done a tenth of this to my parents house oh my god i would have either been disowned or i would have worked off all of the destruction for like the rest of oh, i know but you know jake's super rich so it's fine Totally, he's got a Porsche, yeah. man. His his dad has a Rolls Royce. Yeah, a Rolls Royce. So the party kind of fizzles out, and I love when we find Farmer Ted, who's been stuck under this glass oh, table. Oh, it's a good he's moment. Like, yeah, <laughs> like his scream is so perfect. Be- because like you, and I love that the movie doesn't show what how that happened yeah. because it would have ruined the reveal. But there's just like a like a four sided, a five sided glass table yeah and it's like just on top of him and he couldn't get out by himself yeah it's just good and then they have like this conversation in the kitchen where they're like listening to frank sinatra farmer ted makes a couple martinis Mm -hmm. and it's like farmer ted by the time he's a senior i really believe in this kid yeah he'll be good but what happens is he basically convinces jake like molly ringwald's actually way into you don't even worry about it don't sweat it jakey my boy go for it go find molly ringwald And so Jake, as a pre- like as a present, like he, <laughs> yeah, it's like his little he, gift. You know, hold on, <laughs> like first, first he's like, "Hey, I got the her underwear. You can give it back to her. Have have them. They're on me. These underwear, they were on me. Now they're on you. And she's then like, you can put them back on her." She's like, "Thanks." <laughs> <laughs> and then Jake's like, "You know what I've got for a trade in this Settlers of Catan <laughs> of the 1980s is you can have my girlfriend and just go bang her. Do whatever you whatever. want with her. She's all yours. And there's this horrible line. And I I go back and forth of like what was intended by the filmmakers here. Mm-hmm. But there's this line where Jake is like. I get a piece of ass anytime I want. Shit, I got Carolyn in the bedroom right now, passed out cold. Could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to. And I'm like, oh, that's a cool <laughs> sentence that you just said. I could just, I could go like date rape my girlfriend. No big deal. Yeah. I just, it, this is like one of those, those jokes where it's like, you want to sit them down and the filmmakers are like, is that bad? We're like, yes. <laughs> yes. Cause the movie just really does not get it. We're like, you guys. Like, like and like these things, like you could almost have the same exact di- like dialogue in the movie where Jake could say, he could fix it with this. You know, if I was a real bastard, I could dot, 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 dot. Right. Something. Or or like my girlfriend's right upstairs. I could go have sex with her any way I want. You don't have to say she's passed out. I can violate her. Yeah. Like, What's weird like, is <laughs> Animal House actually has better ethics than this because there's a joke in Animal House where, well, it's really terrible because this freshman in college is dating this girl who he doesn't realize is underage, but she's mm-hmm. like 14 or something or 15. And she's at this party and she passes out and he has this joke where he's got the devil on his shoulder and the devil's like, fuck her. And the angel on the shoulder is like, no, no, no. And I don't think he actually does anything. But I think the joke that Animal House is playing with is like, we all know this is wrong. Like it's going off of that ethic to make the joke that it's making. But here it's like, are you not aware that date rape is bad, John Hughes? Can you please acknowledge that? (laughs) It's it's like the 
it's like the filmmakers in well, it's it's just like the movie movies like hey look kids get drunk man you know and things happen it's like <laughs> and it's uh, like uh, <laughs> and so he loads her up into a car and gives her to gives her to farmer ted and he's like this is your girl now mm-hmm. and she's she's a super she's like super drunk ditzy like whatever i'm a party girl girl Mm. and so she's like whatever but she's also too drunk guys and so farmer ted like takes her and at this point in time rob and i looked at each other and we were like okay what happens from this really is going to influence how i feel about this whole situation yeah because like is this farmer ted gets a redemption is this farmer ted leans into the evil of this moment unknowingly like i do like farmer ted being really intimidated by the situation and being freaked out of like mm-hmm. he's way over his he's in way over the, his head yeah he's got a girl who's like a party 10 and he's a party three and a half and he's in a rolls royce and she's wasted yeah like, yeah, and so he doesn't not know how to handle this. That is this. overwhelming no matter what. But she like flops over and her head falls into his lap and she's like, ooh. And he looks to the camera he's like, oh, yeah. And <laughs> we're like, I thought this movie was a tender portrait about a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> and it's it's more like, uh, a, 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 it's kind of like a letter to Penthouse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in a way. This is National Lampoon's bread and butter. Like, this is what they operated off of. This is exactly yeah. what they're going towards. It's Chevy Chase driving down a highway, and he's seen the same blonde woman all throughout the movie. And she just, for some reason, is way into him and is like, hey, I'm going to take my breasts out of my shirt and show you from my car. And he's like, whoa, hoppa, hoppa, hoppa. Literally. Sorry, I'm with my kids. Li- literally also <clears throat> ri- Vacation, ladies and gentlemen, written by John Hughes, who yeah. wrote the story so John- that movie was based on, too. John Hughes is basically in the early '80s super horny. Well, they all were basically. like all yeah. all the comedies were like even Stripes, which is about Bill Murray going off into the army, is super horny with the the two MPs that they run into. So there was something in the water back then. It's called cocaine, <laughs> <laughs> but I I get it from this. I don't know. There's the just the thing all the early '80s movies were doing. Animal House Porky's this movie was wouldn't it be fun if and it's this wish fulfillment and I don't know why but that was the thing and all of those movies are utter wish fulfillment humor yeah and it's all it's all kind of male fantasy stuff because like Molly Ringwald gets her fantasy but we don't watch it happen until the last minute of the movie yeah like this woman who is super drunk but now seemingly kind of like aware of herself after she passed out at a party like this people usually don't rally like this after they've been drunk and passed out so she she seems like she's got a tolerance so she yeah, she rallies a little true. bit but she rallies and then she's like "Ooh, i don't know who you are at all but i'm gonna go down on you while we're driving yeah. and anthony michael hall's like fucking great <laughs> to me and then he goes to his buddy's house that we met earlier and he's like hey come take a picture of me with this lady and here's <clears throat> where the movie was like oh can this be over <laughs> like i feel so uncomfortable. yeah it's just like it's like mistake after mistake after mistake but here's where i would like to suggest <clears throat> a rewrite for this movie okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'd like to posit that this movie's plot is near perfect. Okay. I think 
as far as a teenage comedy is concerned, I think all the pieces are here. We've got, you know, the people from the different classes, right? Yeah. Uh, like the class structure. We have like a likable protagonist who's having a hard time. She's not super likable, but she's likable-ish. Um, we have like these nerds who don't know how to express themselves, like having this opportunity here to be like this person I never would have been able to like talk to that never would have deigned to look at me is now driving around at me with me in the middle of the night. Of course I want to take a picture with them in modern society. He would have just taken a picture with his phone and (laughs) been like, yo, look who I'm hanging out with. Um, and if I would rewrite this movie, you write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head. I would say that this movie's parts are all great. You just need to turn the dials. Uh-huh. So you turn the heart dial up, you turn the like completely ignorant, racist, sexist, rapey stuff almost all the way down, <laughs> yeah. maybe all the way down if you can. <clears throat> but you keep the elements here because I love the idea of like if we rewind yeah. and went back to that that moment in the kitchen and he's like, look, I'm breaking up with my girlfriend. She doesn't know it yet. I don't want to take her home. I want to go find Sam. And so if you want to take her home, take her home for me. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Right. And he's like, go ahead, take her home. Same plot. Right. It's just that he's not saying you can go fuck my girlfriend. And so we have farmer Ted taking her home and then he drives past his buddies who are like, he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm on my buddy street. And then he like looks in the window for a second. He looks at her, looks in the window and he's like, fuck. And he pulls over parks, goes and runs and finds his friends. He's like, come, come on, come on. I'm taking this girl home, but I want to take a picture with her because I want to prove that like, you know, <coughs> I like was hanging out with the prom queen. Right. And so they take a picture. She wakes up in the middle of it and starts freaking out because <laughs> she's been asleep and she has no idea who these people yeah. are. And so she runs away and he has to go chase her and like explain himself what Ooh, he's yeah. doing. And the only way to get her back in the car is if he's like, look, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just so unpopular and I'm giving you a ride home for him. But I really wanted to take a a picture with you. And what if like some part of their conversation or something that happened with her earlier in the movie where she's like so broken up about being broken up with so nonchalantly by her boyfriend that she's like, fuck it. I'm going to stay out and party with these dweebs for like another couple hours. And so the rest of the night is them partying together. And then they end up together at the end of the or end up having sex together at the end of the movie. That has all the same plot, beats, but it fixes everything about it. That's wrong. I feel like I've seen this movie. Like, I feel like there's a movie where you have a dweeby character who somehow ends up with the hottest girl in school or something, and it's, like, unbelievable, but somehow through this crazy night, it actually kind of works out in their favor. And there's little things like Chandler and Jill Goodacre in that Friends episode or, like, American Graffiti, the dork gets bags the babe for a night totally um, yeah tiger tiger tony yeah, or whatever his um, name is freaks and geeks has some episodes that are similar to this but yours mm-hmm. would perfectly fix this and make this like a remain a classic the way that ferris bueller and breakfast club is still a classic yeah and like i think you can do the same thing with like long dick dong you just turn like certain things of it up and down yeah and i think he's still a great character and you can make him more of a character if we just understood him just a little bit I think bit you keep more. 95% of his actions because he's got hijinks with his hot yeah, girlfriend. Totally. He's 
he gets super drunk and like bonsai's Jake later on. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I wouldn't say that he would say bonsai though because the movie's like get it because he's Asian and I'm like that's Japanese and he's Chinese so maybe not. But <laughs> you and I were in college and we just had drunk crazy friends regardless of ethnicity or anything like oh, totally. that. We just had crazy totally. drunk friends who did shit like that and that's why it's funny. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and so I think you keep all that stuff in there. You just, like I said, this movie's plot is perfect. You just need to change the dials. Yes, yeah. I'm on board. Okay, great. I'm so glad. Let's rewrite. <laughs> I, I'm usually 100% against um, remakes, especially of movies that are deemed classics. This one, I might not mind. I, You know, it, it, I think we need to wait a couple decades still, but... This is basically the Taming of the Shrew, and we need to make a 10 Things I Hate About You, where it's like, there are some things here that are just so broken. Exactly. This needs That's to get fixed. Yeah, yeah, because I really do think that this movie is classic because it was new. Like, what they were doing, even though yeah. it had it whiffed of everything else at the time, it was doing something new. Yeah. And, and it's bringing Animal House to the kids. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So anyway, um, everybody wakes up in the morning. Yeah. Um, oh, well, uh, Sam has a talk with her dad where she's like, dad, or he admits to forgetting her birthday. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm having a hard time with a boy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally. That sucks. <laughs> this is a, he tries to be a good dad. This is a critical scene for the movie. This is a critical mm-hmm. scene without this scene in the movie. This movie really would be worthless. It really because would. we yeah. need to get that her family isn't one dimensional, that they're only like, oh, we care about this wedding or all that stuff. And it's like, oh, uh, we we effed up. And so, no, 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 let's sorry. Happy birthday. Yeah. And so we yeah. get some nice dimensionality from them. I love their relationship. I get from this one conversation, their dynamic, because it's like she's willing to tell her dad this brief. She's not going to every detail, but she's going to tell him the the gist of it and she trusts him enough to tell him tell him that and he does his best and i think i probably would be about on par if i was in his position because it's like what can you say (laughs) like there's very little a dad can tell his teenage daughter that would make a damn difference because he knows how complicated and how effed up this is for her maybe i'm gonna be that dad though i'm gonna be the one that good does. fucking luck yeah right Thank, no yeah oh, right but bullshit you know how good i am talking to people about relationships good luck <laughs> like i it's also we see this happen sometimes in movies where like the dad is there for the daughter i think i think you are just like this dad no offense <laughs> where you're just where you're just like i don't know it's it's something that's a different experience for he's, me. what am i gonna tell no, you he's there for her yeah, he is. There he's for there for her. her, and I think that's what matters—that he shows up. I think he's—he <clears throat> doesn't have the words to give her what she needs, and I don't think yeah. he's going to be the well, one because to come he up doesn't. With it. He doesn't relate to her. He doesn't say like, "Look, I definitely have had moments like this where I loved somebody and they did not even think about me." Yeah. And like, he—he's not going to get on her level because he's like an '80s dad. The what Paul Dooley does as the dad, what he's bringing to this character. I get the sense of he doesn't, he just really doesn't know what to say. Oh, yeah, completely. It's not that yeah, he's like, totally. oh, 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 like, I don't think he's ignorant. I think he's just like, he he hurts for his daughter. He wants to be there for her. So he's going to show up in the way that he knows how. 
Yeah, which should be to go buy her ice cream or a car or something <laughs> at this point in time, but he's tired yeah. and it's late. Um, <clears throat> so they wake up in the morning. Um, everybody goes to uh the church uh, the church oh there's this great scene ryan i think you probably missed it but you're gonna love going back and rewatching mm-hmm. it right as they're all trying to pile in the car and they're doing that thing that all families do where they're like who's gonna sit where in this yeah. tiny car that none of us ever drive in okay there is a scene where the grandma with dark hair is like the last one to get in the car she doesn't get in the car what she bends over outside of the car the car backs up and you see the top of her back outside the window <laughs> because she just didn't get in in that take and is ducking out of the way of the camera. Oh, cool. And then it cuts to the next scene where they find Long, Long Duck Dong and she's in the car. Oh, man. I got to watch that. And and it's just I was like, wait, wait, pause. Robin, go back. Oh, my gosh. She didn't even get oh in the car. God. They're leaving That's without That's great. <laughs> um, they find Long Duck Dong and he's. So wasted. Do so the automobile like, drop. <laughs> automobile. <laughs> That's just Getty Wananabe just being a great comedic actor here. It's really good. Um, and he's basically the opposite of what they were toting him up to be, where they're like, he's such a nice boy who does all of our chores for yeah. us. And he's, you know, oof, the perfect kid. And he's like, whatever, I'm a party animal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, that's where we find him. Molly Ringwald goes to the church. She, her sister takes a bunch of tranks, um, yeah. <laughs> and she has her comedic business of being super stone out of her gourd. Do you think this was funny? Um, I didn't, la- I, 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 I was like, I know the movie wants me to laugh at this right now, but at this point in time, I'm like, this is I thought it was funny go- to me. I thought it was goofy for it was goofy. I remember laughing at it a bunch when I was a oh, kid. Well, and now now I was just like, eh, this is whatever. I mean, that's the other thing in this movie is that it is very much centered towards teenagers. He is only concerned with entertaining teenagers. So us being in our 30s, not laughing at the thing. Oh, totally. What yeah. can you do? Um, and then the sister gets married. We haven't even talked about Eric Bohunk, her, her boyfriend, who's like basically the child of a mob boss or at least a maid <laughs> yeah, man. Something like that. And, uh, I feel bad for the dad of like his oldest is getting married to this guy. Really? This guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like one of those things where I'm like, oh man, family reunions are going to suck for you guys. <laughs> but, uh, we do. But the sister best. sounds like a piece of work anyway. Yeah. But I like that. She's not the biggest piece of work. You can tell that she's not always a narcissistic person. She's just so self obsessed because that's what you do. It's her wedding. Maybe. I don't know. It seems like she's, she's not the worst, but no. also I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if she was a little self-obsessed, not just during her I wedding. appreciated that it wasn't a really flat performance. I think she's, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you really don't understand how self-obsessed you are, do you? Like, you don't see it. Yeah, like I said, I think Hughes is trying to skewer most of the family yeah. a lot of the time. And I think he succeeds in the, in the yeah. middle. Um, and Molly Ringwald is the dutiful uh, bridesmaid. And they get married, and but she misses the... the the send the exit. Oh, um, oh, Farmer Ted has his like, wow, uh, hot girl, we woke up in this church parking lot. Did we doink last night? She's like, we definitely doinked last night. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of missing between this C and the A that we saw when we last saw you guys. Totally. So they had sex, which, 
you know, he's definitely underage. So there's that. His memory is um, super fuzzy. Her mem- memory is super fuzzy. So that must have meant he got super drunk because he brought a bunch of beer with him. You're right. And so, like, at that point in time, you can be like, well, got, they were both super drunk. You got two drunk teenagers in a car. We don't see what happened. <clears throat> we don't know what happened. Neither. They both, they both, they, they do this thing, though, where they're like, there's like this mystique where they both have perfectly lost memories where they can't remember anything. And the mystique is like, I think I must have enjoyed it. Like, not i remember enjoying it it's i think i must have there's just something about it there's something about your face where i'm like i like that face i don't feel like that face hate fucking last <laughs> night so i feel like that's the john hughes like wrote it and he's like ah, eh, see 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 it's okay. it's okay it's like we're all just like i don't uh, <laughs> i can't convict you but i've got my eye on you um the uh, but then uh, Jake shows up and he, he has this face where he's just like sees them together and his face is like, oh, come on. It's like, what you like, think was going to happen? You literally told him to make this happen. And so they go over and they have a conversation where she says that she's sorry for messing up his house. He's like, I'm sorry for dumping you off with that dude. And they're like, I guess it's going to be cool. Like, we won't date each other now, but who knows? Yeah, it was a weird and breakup scene. I'm like, it's a weird- do you guys want to discuss terms? Because I don't think you really understood what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Jake uh, goes and meets Long Duck Dong for a second time. And apparently uh, he beat him up the night before. Yeah, because he bonsai on top of, of Jake. Yeah. But how did he get home? Who knows? That's the mystery. <laughs> but but he sees Jake and he's like, ah, because he thinks Jake's there to kick his ass. And again, yeah. Gary Watanabe is just making me laugh. He's the only person in this movie I'm actually laughing at. Yeah. And so he's he's killing it. And then Jake doesn't kill him. Yeah. And he sends him to the church. And this is when we have that classic scene where he's like waiting outside with his Porsche and he's like, yo, what's up? And Molly Ringwald's like, yeah, totally. What's up? And she gets in the car with him. The, the and they music? Go back to- the music here? Play the music. It's not Bowie. What is it? It's um, Dream Academy, I think, is the band. Right, 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 um, right. Because Bowie was yeah. earlier. And this this song is so iconic. You could just play it and be like, mm-hmm. 16 Candles. Yeah. Basically, from this point on is what I, everything I remembered of this movie, which the was- The movie's perfect for 37 seconds. <laughs> it, it's And it's really good. It's like a really good ending where she gets in the car. She looks over to her dad and her dad's like, this guy? All right. Very cool. That's, that's the other like crucial- like bit to it yeah if we didn't have the scene earlier and then the dad acknowledging this now like it wouldn't have mattered there is a small scene with her mom being like hey sorry we forgot your birthday and all your brother's an asshole (laughs) but it's it's more meaningless than her dad because we get this connection at the end with her dad i feel kind of good for the dad and like he because it's a weird thing he's like porsche nice he's got it where it yeah. counts but i think they did a <laughs> he's like you can go ahead and go get violated by they him did right a now. really good job with the costume design because we see a lot of teenagers in this movie and we see how ridiculous they all look and we see jake who's looking like an abercrombie and fitch model or more like a brooks brothers like a casual brooks brothers and he's like totally. the guy seems very like well to do he doesn't look like a rich bitch kind of kid he looks he looks very responsible 
He does. He and his hair is so responsible. <laughs> yeah. You can tell. Um, honestly, my favorite besides Molly Ringwald's style, I like John Cusack's style. Yeah, I thought he was he was pretty sharp oh, in this yeah. movie. Um, but they go home to his house, which apparently he probably had his maids clean <laughs> yeah. at this point in time. Cause it looks pretty yeah. clean from what we get. Um, and they have that iconic scene where they're sitting on the table, leaning over a cake with 16 candles mm-hmm. on it and they have their kiss and it's rolled credits. Most of this movie I couldn't care for just because it's so egregious, mm-hmm. but this shot like this shot it's is great. almost divorced from the whole movie and i was watching the sequel to 16 candles which was just this shot and i was like 10 out of 10 swept away by that shot i think this movie has a lot of john hughes's genius in it because i do think that if you watch some of his other movies you cannot deny that he is a great filmmaker yeah. capital g great filmmaker yeah. Let's, I mean, just just name off a couple. Home Alone, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, Pretty in Pink, um, like those those just those right there are f- like four of the most iconic films that America has. Uncle produced. Buck, Uncle Buck, <laughs> Uncle Buck. Um, but this ending transported me back to being a sixteen year old and getting utter thorough wish fulfillment. Okay. Now I want to I want to point this out to you here Ryan because uh there were often times when you were a teenager where you wouldn't relate necessarily with the female characters of the movie but I think this is one of those great times mm-hmm. where she gets what she wants and all you want to do is get that kiss on that table as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's right. that is how potent catharsis is achieved making you feel that you are that character and you're getting that kiss. And John Mm -hmm. Hughes very deliberately sets up the perfect wish fulfillment scene. Right. And there's even like candles to make a wish on. And that's what they, they're like, what is your wish? I got my wish. And there's something psychologically like he is getting into a really raw nerve when he does stuff like that. Right. And a film nerve because so much of film is either escaping or, cathartic wish fulfillment where you're like yes i've wanted that i get to live a little bit of that right now and it's pure and perfect and good and it's good for the soul that's the wish fulfillment that he should be going for when he does the farmer ted wish fulfillment where he's like hey 15 year old boys eh 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 it's like stop like do not be (laughs) like engaging in this material this is bad (laughs) this is so wrong or you could engage in the material as long as you talk about it a little bit more, but you don't talk about it. Really. Yeah, and if you're wondering what the good how to do wish fulfillment for 15-year-old geeky boys, go over to Freaks and Geeks. Every yes, single very episode much. is very healthful, pure, good wish fulfillment for stuff for them. Filled with mistakes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. These are imperfect characters, but they're imperfect characters who learn bits of lessons, and that is important for teenage boys. And I'm not saying be preachy. No. I hate that shit. I'm just saying, through a good story, show how somebody learns and grows. Yeah. That's it. If, yeah. if the movie had taken on the moral tack of what freaks and geeks does which is not again not a preachy show but like no no not trading on the same kind of like problems that these kids have would have been no I, i i think the perfect middle ground like we were talking about before is you have your to all the boys and then you have your your movies like this and i think there is a middle place to be found mm-hmm. where you have 
characters who are imperfect, who are bombastic or strange and are very high school, but they still like the movie isn't championing bad things. Yeah. It's very interesting having all these different teen movies at hand, 10 things I hate about you and clueless Mm. Mm -hmm. clueless. They treat sex, at least Cher tries to treat it very sophisticated yeah, they go watch a movie and she puts on like sexy underwear and they get in bed. But like her conversations with with Dion and how they tr- how they treat sexuality is very like I don't know, there's something very 90s about it and this is very sure. 80s about sexuality. And I mm-hmm. I like the balance of late 90s 10 things I hate about you where it's like it's definitely there and it's definitely present but it's not gross about it. No, yeah, and like the like the people who are gross about sex are bad guys. Yeah. And um And that's how I always felt growing up in high school, where it's like I wasn't having sex, I wasn't really observing it, I wasn't really around it, but I saw the people who were being really sexual were like weird, creepy people. And I was like, I don't wanna be around this. Right. Exactly. And I I think all the boys I loved before, um, it just kind of it has a little bit of sex in it in the makeout scene. Yeah. But like it feels, in the first one, it feels like it pulls its punches. Yeah. Like nobody really talks about sex. Like yeah. it's, it's more like, There's Ooh, this is a, grabbing and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I would like, I would love it if the characters were talking about like those, like there's just something so fun about like a teenager knowing that other people are having sex and being like, Whoa, this is what I think about sex right now. It's kind of crazy that those two people are having sex. Like, do you remember the people in your high school where you're like, I know for a fact that those two people are having sex? Crazy, right? It was the craziest thing to learn. I'm like, yeah. what? And then like, learning about like, he got caught by his yeah. mom? Yeah. Like, like those stories are like throughout high school like even if they didn't necessarily happen to you they happened to a friend and you heard about it through the grapevine or they told you about it and like i remember being on the junior varsity bus for soccer and like one of the you know more popular kids like one of the most popular kids in the school was talking about his girlfriend's boobs and he's just like yeah man i thought like her nipples would be like redder, but they're really pink. And like, like you can have these conversations in high school and they just, they don't have to be so like, uh, get it because right. like, Oh, we're fucking like, uh. <laughs> and, and it, it can just be like teenagers talk about this shit. But it, but in this realm of clueless, 16 candles, 10 things to all the boys, to all the boys is the only one I'll throw mean girls in there too. I'll throw mean girls in. To all the boys is the only one that feels a little disingenuous. Like it doesn't really get at what these characters' lives are actually like. Yeah. It's just like I'm a I'm a character who's nice and this thing happened to me, but you know I you know, maybe we need to go watch it again because I've seen all these other movies much more and I would love to do like a re a revisit of we to all the that. boys we because should we shit on it enough that I feel like people who like it are like you guys need to rewatch it and I want to like go back see what we missed see what we were right about <laughs> well I think I think what I I think what I'm trying to get at when I keep comparing to to that movie is our frame of reference and a lot of people this makes me sound super snooty where I'm like well actually I've seen a lot better high school movies that's 
Not true. I have just a couple movies that I vastly prefer because I certainly won't watch Sixteen Candles over to all the boys. And no, no. I would, to be honest, I'd much. I wouldn't much rather. But I think if I was gonna revisit either of them, I'd probably go watch Ten or To All the Boys. Yeah, but I think what I'm getting at is. It's not that those movies are bad. It's just something's missing, and we're trying to figure out what exactly is missing. And we're looking at all these other movies, and like there's a verve, there's yeah. there's a je ne sais quoi that's there, just not there. There's a there is this thing where you should feel you should feel high school. Like it's so hard to pinpoint. It's I don't want to be that one senator talking about porn, <laughs> but like right. you should you, you should, should know high you should feel high school when you see it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm going to speak into your future for a second here, and I know that you're going to tell stories that are about high schoolers and teenagers. I know that's in your your future, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold you to it of we have decided this kind of like quality. Yeah. And I'm holding you accountable. Of like, you know, we've agreed. It's on tape of what you think these movies the qualities these movies should have. So I'm going to hold you to oh, it. Feel free. And anybody listening who later on critiques my movies, if, if I miss this beat, let me have it, but <laughs> let that, me just rip into me. That's the challenge we want as our, as filmmakers ourselves is that we want to, we want to reach, reach, reach these heights. So, yeah. and uh, so as speaking of heights, like what, <clears throat> what is your, like knowing that there are so many better John Hughes movies out there, where do you rate this? I give it a two and a half out of five. That's where I'm landing too. And it definitely gets that. It definitely gets that only because of the ending. If it ended of like, uh, pff, high school, pff, like if it didn't have a sweet ending, then I would be like, who cares about this movie? But I think yeah. people who remember this movie are remembering the ending. I I agree. That's like I did remember a couple of the other things because I mainly because whenever m- my parents and I were getting in cars, my dad would say, "Are we getting in this automobile?" <laughs> but like the ending is what we all know. Like Robin made a short film not too long ago that was like really leaning into eighties movies and references. And like our last shot is two people sitting on a table. Like you colored it. I mm-hmm. did it. Robin directed it. And mm-hmm. like so many other people worked on it, but it was like this thing where homaged that scene. Yeah. And imagine homaging any other part of this movie. <laughs> well, in retrospect, it makes me respect Robin's film even further. Cause I always really liked it. Cause I worked on it. Um, and I, I liked it even before I was working on it, but yeah, and you're a raging narcissist, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, Oh, this is so much more valuable than I ever gave it credit for because Robin's fixing these movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And the best, I always have thought this, the best way to criticize a movie is to make a movie. I know that you and I have some projects that are probably coming up here, but I can't wait to get back into making because Mm -hmm. I feel like throughout this project, you and I have like looked at a bunch of films and critiqued a bunch of films. And I can't wait to take the, the, the criticism out of our, out of our vein and just say, okay, we've learned a bunch of lessons here. Let's yeah. apply them. But I, I just like just the responding to another film where we're saying, no, no, like this. And even if we fail, we're at least trying to just say, we're wanting it to be like, we want movies to be more like X and we're, mm-hmm. we're just getting that out into the world. And even if, even if it doesn't land, 
we're, we're trying our best. Yeah, maybe maybe you love this movie and you love To All the Boys. And that's great because you're right. <laughs> um, true. You want to you sh- throw us on over to Trope Talk, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like Nope Talk because we're mm. going to say nope to some things here. And not... not- Jordan Not Peele because of note. Jordan Peele's no, 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 no. Okay, no, no. okay. I really want to go see that with you, but <laughs> me too. I don't know when we're going to go, but no, I, I think we'll actually have time to do this. Like Robin and I are very excited because we're like, okay, we got COVID. When we're better, <laughs> like we we've we for the first time, like our child is also going to like she has just had it. Plus, she's getting a new round of um, vaccine <laughs> shots. I'm like. We're we're ready to go out and party. Robin's like, I'm finally gonna go watch like Top Gun. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, we sweet. So anyway, it's no nope uh, talk because nope there's talk. a lot of things we're saying no to in this movie. Yeah, like hold on, let's just say a couple of things that were good first. Like, um, do, just you list something, then I'll list something. Molly Ringwald. Yes, Molly Ringwald style. Um, soundtrack. Soundtrack, great. I love the charisma of Anthony Michael Hall as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the chorus of all the other characters. Mm-hmm. The Cusacks, John and Joan. Mm-hmm. The last thing that I really liked was, like, you just see this being a progenitor, this film. Yeah. Not only with the actors, there are so many actors in this movie that we'll see later do bigger and better things. You see the beginnings of the genius of John Hughes. You kind of see it as a early girl movie. Like, yeah. And kind of the first of its kind. Yeah. Like you've had your Heidi's before and you've had like, you've had other movies starring women. You've, you've had a billion of them. 1930s and 40s were like chock full of them. Yeah. But this was getting at like the teenage girl's experience. Yeah. In a way that hadn't been done. And is it perfect at doing that? No, it's not. Yeah. But it's really not bad for a dude in 1984. Yeah. Like totally. that, that section of it. Yeah. And Ultimately, he modernized the teen movie, which mm-hmm. the groundwork was laid by my hero, George Lucas, with American Graffiti. Yes. Yes. <laughs> with Star Wars. <laughs> yes, it was laid. The foundation was laid by George right. Lucas with American it, Graffiti. It was laid, but it was the the that the big difference between those two movies is basically George Lucas is like, isn't boomer car culture so cool? Mm-hmm. And it was about an era that was 25 years old, basically. No, a little less than that. More like 17 years old at that point. Yeah. But when you have this movie, this movie is modern. This movie was talking about yeah. then and yeah. now. Yeah. And yeah, totally. I, th- I think that's important with like these movies like Clueless, um, 10 Things, Mean Girls. These are all about what high school is like then. And uh-huh. I don't think we would have those if we didn't have Hughes. Yeah, because I think the American teenager was invented with uh, Rebel Without a Cause with James mm. Dean. That was mm-hmm. the invention of the American teenager before it was just an adolescent. They were just a child still. They just weren't adults. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with James Dean, it was like, <laughs> oh, you guys are not children, but you're also not adults. So we're going to put you you're in. You're something <laughs> different. Uh, American Graffiti brought the ball down the field, but 16 candles is the touchdown. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. here we are. Modern teen mm-hmm. film is born. Yeah. Um, those are the things that we say yes to. Uh, the things that we say no to let's go round Robin again. Um, the, Oh, the homophobia is like, guy, guys, stop. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of the, um, 
British word for a cigarette Mm -hmm. laid out in this movie as just a straight pejorative. And I could just hear like my dad's generation, like my dad specifically had said stuff like this growing up where like, it was like, Oh, those were just the words that we used to use back then. And uh, language is hard. And Noam Chomsky like says, you know, words mean what we feel like they mean. And I get it, but that word sucks because it is literally declassifying a, a group of people and equating them with something bad. Just describe describe what you see on your Skype screen right now. Oh, that's a oof, that's a wince and a flinch Ugh. at it's, the same time. It's just every time it's like, oh, stop it, stop it. Oh, it just. Mm-hmm. Yep, it hurts. that's not good. And then um, basically everything we said about Long Duck Dong, um, where like characters in the movie are they just. Like it's it's kind of like an othering, yeah. Like like super othering as a character, yeah. So that sucked. Yeah. Um, and then the date rape humor, mm-hmm. which no, <laughs> yeah, just no. Just uh, for future filmmakers out there, it shouldn't be funny. <laughs> like, I think humor can be found around just about anything, mm-hmm. but the people making the funny at the expense of this thing are not the ones that you want to because they're literally the predators. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do like your framing of this, of this movie has some valuable things to say and mm-hmm. it has some atrocious things to say, but don't necessarily let it blind you from the nice things it has to say. Like, yeah, absolutely acknowledge it, but see yeah, that there's some good stuff too. I like this, this era is the first era where they're like, you know what? Being a nerd is looked down on. Let's, let's see how hard it is being a nerd. Yeah. Right. And there's movies like revenge of the nerds that takes that in a horrible direction. And then there's movies like this where we kind of have a, like a little bit of, empathy but it's all just crowded away by like the complete emphasis on like proving sex yeah um and not like if you look at a movie like um that is primarily focused on that like uh like an american pie for instance american pie really kind of gets at like okay we're all obsessed with sex let's talk about that Mm -hmm. and those movies suck for a lot of reasons yeah but I don't know. There's something about like Jason Biggs's character's obsession with sex that is is a little bit on par with Farmer Ted's, right? In a weird way, right? Yeah. Where it's like the teenager is like this, but also I want to know a little bit of humanity about these characters too, which we do get a little bit from Farmer Ted. I just wanted more. What's weird is there's very few films that are good, healthy outlets for teenagers to get for understanding sex. It's always really inappropriate for them where it gives them the wrong kind of outlet where it's like American pie is not the movie they need right now. (laughs) No. Um, But you know what? That movie, like as, as much as I agree with you, like the movie itself is a bunch of like sex hijinks, Mm -hmm. but the movie really does at least in retrospect from what i remember it really does say hey like sex isn't the end all be all everybody's just kind of obsessed with it right 
I remember growing up that the episode of Boy Meets World where Corey and Topanga almost sleep together on prom night. So it's just you and Topanga? Yes. Alone in a hotel room? Yes. On prom night? Yes. So what you do? Was very influential, I have to say. Yeah. I really do mm-hmm. have to say. It was influential on in how I thought about it. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Like it truly made me think about it for a second of like, hey, you're going to have opportunities soon where you will have a girl and you're going to have these choices to make. I just want you to think right. about it for a second. Yeah. And I love that where it's not like being preachy and saying, don't do this. Yeah. It's just saying, hey, before you have sex, give it a thought. And I, I would say, you know, this is kind of more up to parents to be like, hey, talk to your kid about sex, prep them for it and, you know, have a conversation and then give them the tools to think about it when they're faced with it. Yeah. Freaks and Geeks also did this pretty well because it yeah. gave us a good ri- wide range of it because you had Kim Kelly and unfortunately James Franco <laughs> as the other character and they were very... You don't like James Franco in that? No, show? no, he's really good in it. It's just his legacy now makes it hard to like ignore the allegations that were against him. It wasn't at this time, but it was like, oh, right. So there's some creepy things that I have to oh, acknowledge I, when I'm watching the show. I actually don't know anything about that so we'll talk about that later yeah you can google it (laughs) okay but it definitely paints your watch of the move watch the show throughout but it's something that can be ignored um Mm. but then you have the geeks figuring out sex and they're a lot more chaste in figuring (laughs) out but it's also it's also there they you know you know neil neil acts like how farmer ted does but in a way that we're like oh neil you dumbass (laughs) yeah totally like there's something about Farmer Ted where he is, you can tell that he's putting on an act, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of that thing where you wear a mask long enough and you end up just being that person. Yeah. And again, I'll go back to this well of we model like father, you get this of our kids pick up stuff we do. And he got that model to him whether it was through movies or TV shows or other kids in school or something, someone was modeling for that for him. Right. And it would be nice. That's why I'm like, I don't know what else we could do, but it'd be nice if father Ted could have some better role models for father Ted, father Ted, father Ted, farmer Ted could have better role models. It's another missed opportunity of this movie because you have Jake who, if you stripped away the, uh, date rape stuff from Jake. Yeah. Like that scene in the kitchen could have also been a mentoring scene where he's like, Hey, slow your roll, dude. You keep like, you know, putting on a big show, but that's not what being cool is all about. Right. You know? And like, he could have been that, like, I'm actually cool, calm, collected dude. And all you have to do is walk up to a girl and tell her how you, how you feel. Yeah, exactly. I would have loved to hear that from him. Yeah. And I would have loved to have, someone there for me when I was in high school because I needed someone to tell me to just chill out. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because I wasn't doing Farmer Ted's shenanigans, but I had Farmer Ted neuroses of like, oh my God, girls. You know that scene when he's in the car with her and um, he, when he's in the car with Molly Ringwald, the half-made car, and he like just starts singing uh, Beatles songs at her. You say it's your birthday. It's my birthday too. Hey, Just stop it, okay? I mean, it's really been a shitty birthday for me. No offense, but I don't need a serenade right now. It's like, bro, 
<laughs> but but I but like that stuff that feels very like I don't know how to impress somebody, so I'm just going to do like it's it's like word associations. Yeah, like Michael Jackson, Jackson Five. Uh, you know, it's it's like yeah the the thing is he's he's like trying to make her feel a little bit better and so what he does is sing at her yeah and that's such a dumb thing to do but that's such a high school dumb boy doesn't know what he's doing thing to do totally and i liked that that section of his comedy yeah a lot so i think if anything we've got at is this movie hits deep truths with all its characters and all its scenarios it just has some moments where it feels like a root canal yeah it's just Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't throw it out. Don't cancel it. But heavy viewer discretion advised. And you really got to like throw a lot of salt in with this thing. If we tried really, really hard, we can mix a little bit of sweet in there and start talking about the Patreon. Ooh. And that really, ooh, that would really ooh. Turn, turn people's uh, like umami flavor <laughs> buds on. Uh, okay, let's just, let's just talk let's about just Patreon. Okay, so we've got a new poll, August poll. 2010s edition. I'm just going to reel them off for you. Do it to it. This means war, easy A, train wreck, and edge of 17. Ooh, very excited. If we do edge of 17, I'm particularly excited about that one because it's another teenage movie. Yeah. Um, just, and if you want to find that, you just go over to patreon.com slash romcom gents and you too can become a patron for the price of a cup of coffee a month and vote and let us know what we should mm-hmm. do at the end of the month. We're doing 16 candles because you guys all voted so for some reason for you. this movie. I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you got what you wanted, patrons. <laughs> uh, also, we have our bonus episode with me and Sarah because Kelly was on vacation slash sick. Uh, yep. We had our trailer shootout where she is a liar and I tell the truth and nope. Wait. Oh, I I can't wait for this. Battle of the sexes. Here it is. Um, but we it's interesting the things that we agree on and the other things that she's totally unfair about. But you be the judge. Go on to Patreon. It's up already, right? It's up right now. So go okay. listen to it. And this month we're going to be doing uh, Speed. Very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Not the drug, just the movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is what we do. And Ryan and I have been kind of lax on our articles. Usually we throw up an article a week, but uh, July has sucked for that for us because I was really had, bad month for both of us. <laughs> we had traveling, then we had COVID. It's just been rough. So thank you, patrons. This is a thank you here for being patient. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, but we'll get back on that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Patreon. Help us, um, you know, take care of our children. <laughs> and help Basically. us help you. Yeah. Because really, the more help you give us there, the more we're able to do for you here. Yeah, there's this weird differential where we can't really take any work off for this, but if we made a little bit more money, we could put more work into this, which would be really fun, and I'd like to do yeah. that. So I, I would really like... There's a couple of things that if we get enough patrons, we're planning on doing more like movie commentaries yeah where like you get to watch the movie alongside us making jokes or maybe about bonus video content or where there's bonus videos video of content us. um mm-hmm. but that takes time and we're dads and we have other jobs that we have to do but we'd much we're rather already making videos professionally <laughs> we'd much rather do this instead so yes yeah. yes this is this is it's nice to work at home yeah it's really it's, nice to do that nice. so help us help us do that um okay that's the patreon um I I do need to ask you, Kelly. There is one more important thing to figure out. We need to give out our Golden Sword Award. She! A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. 
The Golden Sword. My Golden Sword is just going to that end scene. It's just, mm-hmm. it's iconic. It's like, it's like if if it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. I see the gold of the sword shining at the end of this tunnel, and yeah. I'm like, I do want to go to the light. Yeah. I do want to get there and feel the feels. And so, the Golden Sword, just such an iconic, beautiful shot. Yeah, I'm gonna do similarly. I'm going to give it to the needle drops. A lot mm, of good needle mm-hmm. drops, and really I, good I think that's what give this gives this movie the modern feel in general. Is that yeah the pacing of that? Um, but man, that last song, whew, it's just so good. So I think, I think that's one of the things about to all the boys that I'm I I don't remember a bunch of super popular music. And I think that's partially budgeted because I don't think Netflix was spending a lot of movies or money to get um, like pop, like really good popular pop music. I like they're not spending David Bowie money. No, but the kids these days don't listen to David Bowie. I think. No, no, no. I think no, that's generational. I'm, I think there's probably people who would probably defend this. I remember very specifically. I'm like, there are some catchy songs in here, and I feel like I'm missing out on whatever the kids are listening to. No, that is completely possibly true. But I, I do think, like, the for instance, when Ten Things came out, I didn't know any of those bands. Right, but then you but did. I f- but you I figured it out. The, I'm gonna get that soundtrack. I, yeah, I was like, this fucking rocks. I'm going to get into this, and. With ten things, if the whole thing feels like a cover, um, is the same thing with fucking was the other Netflix movie that we watched that was a teenager movie, Kissing Um, Booth. Kissing Booth. Kissing Booth had the same thing. It had like four covers on the soundtrack, and now there's an atrocious movie. (laughs) Well, and I, I guess my my point is is like, like you don't have like Janelle Monae slapping on um the soundtrack of to all the boys like if you're gonna make an iconic iconic movie about teenage dumb you have to have like iconic iconic songs on that soundtrack yeah i don't think well mean girls did not do a very good job with this there's like well, blondie on there i don't remember anything else but you, you had um the uh one where the uh, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and their life oh, that's is true. better than that's yours. That's true. Hate, that was an like, emblematic song of our of our day. So yeah, I'll give I you hated that. it, but it was still emblematic. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. Yeah, okay, but you're right. You might be proving me wrong, but I think it helps. Yeah, you're right. It does. It does definitely set. I mean, it makes it age because it's like when Milkshake comes on, it's like, oh man, we are watching a movie from 2005. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm being brought back to the mixers at my high school where freaking was a thing. <laughs> I think no matter what, the high school movie has to age quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but I think that's the. I rule. think if it's a well made enough movie, that's fine. Because like like we've said in the past, like Breakfast Club is definitely an 80s movie, but timeless as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there you go well ryan do you know what it's also timeless what the rom-com oscar oh, poor voice <laughs> yeah i can't yell right now plus my baby's sleeping it's not gonna happen okay. what's your rom-com oscar my friend 
Oh, he's angry. <laughs> or is that a motorcycle outside your window? Um, we, we usually have to contend with that on both mics, now just one. Not best writing, not best directing. Um, this feels cheap and kind of overwrites some things, but I honestly want to give best comedic performance to Gede Watanabe. Like sure. I don't want I don't want to downplay the racism around him, like we said before. But I think if anyone's putting in a hundred and ten percent in this movie, it's that man. I completely agree. I think I'm gonna go with costuming. Mm-hmm. I think this movie really rocked its costumes. Yeah, I felt I felt 1984. Yeah, in a good way. You know, in a really great way. Like <laughs> and, Molly Ringwald wears double shirts and not in this a dystopian movie. way. It's I like your rule. Your rule is the clothes need to feel lived in. Yeah. And I was thinking about that a lot. Like there was like there were frayed edges on some of Molly Ringwald's shirts. Yeah. Like, come on. Like they were wrinkly. Yeah. And there's this there's this thing when you get into uh, the film world where you you'd kind of do last looks a lot for um for hair and makeup, for wardrobe. And a lot of times that's really important because it has to do with continuity, right? And so you have to like make things look like they looked in the last shot in order for them to match up in continuity. Yeah. However, there is also a, a tendency for people who work in those in those particular departments to also like want to fix the little things a lot. Right. Where it's like, okay, I need to make sure that this is smoothed out. I need to make sure that the flyaways are gone. Right. I need to like come in and fix this and make sure the makeup is perfect. And a lot of times that's so it matches. But some of the times it's just be, like, uh, like people around here work on commercials a lot where it has to be like that. But in in movies and in like, um, especially like eighties movies, I feel like you need to let that stuff lie. You need yeah. to let that that like that. You just need to let it be messy. That's and it it feels lived in like that. That's the um that's the George Lucas rule in Star Wars where science fiction films up until Dirty. that <laughs> sci-fi films up until that point were sterile. Like when you were in a spaceship everything was sterile. And that's kind of true in the Imperial Star Destroyers, but again, he got mad at the janitors for buffing the floors. He's like, "You what?" They're like, oh, well, there's footsteps all over the place. He's like, I know because people work at the Death Star. It's yeah, but not going to be actually, super clean in there. For the Death Star, though, I think George Lucas is fucking wrong about his world because I think if anybody's going to be the like clean police, it's going and they they have a bunch of basically vacuums there already. Those droids are running around. The mouse you know? droid, the mouse droid yeah. can clean like one footstep an hour. What is what is um, that is not true. You see how fast they go. You take that back. I think a mouse droid is just a Roomba that does more. <laughs> okay. But nonetheless, a lived-in world is what cinema needs. Exactly. Well, I I, I think we have another segment before we get to letters, Rye. Oh, can you tell me who you'd fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. 
For me, this is pretty easy. I think I'm going with Molly Ringwald. I was thinking about her friend because she's also cute and she disappears. I want to be like, wait, where'd you go? Where'd you go, lady? Um, But Molly Ringwald is the... She's put upon, but she's really cute. And all she wants to do is celebrate her birthday. It makes me feel bad for her. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here for you, Molly. Let's do it. (laughs) Long Duck Dong is way too much of a party animal for me. Yeah. I'm going through all the characters. A lot of them aren't very good boyfriend girlfriend material. <gasps> who else? Did you did you spot the? I'm not saying you should pick the grandma, but did you spot who the grandma was and what other John Hughes movie she's in? Oh, John Hughes written. Um, there's two grandmas. Yeah the the dark haired grandma. I couldn't quite place it. She is the old woman who the mom from Home Alone <gasps> buys her tickets from with her earrings. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, I couldn't tell because the the guy that she was with in that movie is aged a little bit older, but it might be the same guy. Different guy. I know she's different guy. Okay. But she's the same person. That's right. That's Billy Bird. I forgot about Billy Bird. She's in she's, a bunch of stuff. She's got a bunch of earrings, dangly ones. <laughs> I, I, Billy Bird is one of the only people who was just. She was born. They got to know her a little bit, and then they gave her her name. It's like clearly you're Billy Bird. You are a <laughs> yeah, tiny yeah, old. Totally. Woman. That's what we should call you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, if she wasn't named until she was like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I'm going with Molly Ringwalds, but. Yeah, no, I get Only it. Only process of elimination because she kind of just complains a lot throughout this movie. And totally, <laughs> I I do I do really think that we're going to like Pretty in Pink a lot. I can't wait to get there. I liked I liked the scene where she talks to her dad because she was complaining a lot during this movie, and the dad's like, "Sorry, we forgot it," and she just smiles. She's like, "It's cool," and I believe yeah. it's like yeah, that's all she was looking for. Because at that point in time, she's more mad about something else, so she's kind of forgotten why she was mad about this. Yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's cool. Thank you for saying it. And that's all that needs to happen. Yeah. So that's who we love. Where are those letters? Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. We got actually a review on iTunes, and it was just such a nice review that I thought we'd share it on here. Okay. It's from Gavin Griffin. You know that that crazy Gavin, Gavin Griffin. Griffin. Are they from I'm a woman. Wait, Gavin Griffin and from Gavin Griffin McElroy? Um I am a woman in my early 20s. So no. So uh, no, that's uh but we'll get him one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I started listening to this podcast, I was nervous that some of my favorite movies would be treated unkindly. I hope you don't love this one because <laughs> we did not treat it super kindly. I feel like we we're fair. Mm-hmm. Um, as can so often happen with rom-coms. But they weren't. It's so fascinating to hear them dissect these films from a filmmaker's perspective, and Kelly and Ryan are just so kind and thoughtful towards the genre in general. We'll definitely be joining the patron Patreon after several weeks of binging this podcast. I love a good binge as well. Love Thank binges. you so much for the review. Love Did we get any any other letters this week? No, but I'm really glad we got a good one. Yeah, me too. We appreciate well, it. Well, that just leaves the last thing to do on this podcast which is figure out what the heck we're watching next week yeah 
give me a number between one and 162. Uh, how about 84? As in 19? Uh-huh. Uh, this just says Paris. <laughs> okay. Let me look, uh, look that up. Uh, maybe, maybe did we mean uh, forget Paris? Mm. Paris, the movie. Is a documentary about Paris? There's Parisia Tem, and there's about there's Forget Paris. I'm gonna go with Forget Paris is probably okay, what we meant. Oh, oh, that's why we didn't put it on there. We forgot. we forgot to do it. Damn, mm, we're so clever. Forget Paris is what we'll be doing. All right, that's a Billy Crystal, Deborah Winger, Joe Mant- Mantegna. <laughs> Whew. I'm very excited for this one. I have not seen this for a long time, but I know that there's basketball and I know that there's fighting and I know the phrase Toyota, you want it, you got it is in this movie. I love that guy. All right, Kelly, I love you so much that I would pick you up from your sister's wedding in a Porsche and I would wink at your dad about it. Ah, hey, gross. Thank you. Um, I love you so much that I would watch 16 Candles with you and go through the hellfire that is trying to review it. Mm. And you did. So, <laughs> great. Yeah. Proof's in the pudding. All right. All right. Love you, Bye. dude. <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Not a stud. <laughs>